0: It's only when the business can operate for an indefinite period of time, I would say at least 90 days and probably more like six months without the owner's direct day to day involvement, that they really have a business.
1: Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, Taking Care of Business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad.
2: Welcome to Business Owners Radio, episode 143. Our guest today is Ed Epley, a leading global expert in professional management, sales strategy, and performance management. Ed has trained managers of multinational companies across the US, Europe, China, Japan, and Australia. He is the author of the bestseller, Let's Be Clear Six Disciplines for Focus Management Pros. Ed was with us on episode 108 and today joins us as we talk about using the wrong leadership assessment.
0: Good morning, Ed. Welcome to Business Owners Radio great to be here. Always a pleasure to talk with you guys and your audience of committed business owners. That's great
2: to have you back with us. This time, we'd like to chat a little more about diving in a little deeper to some of the leadership performance. And curious, in general, what's the current state of business leadership performance today? And how has it changed over the last couple of decades?
0: How long do we have? (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, You know, in some respects, it probably hasn't changed that much, especially for these business owners that are in that startup to 50, 60 employee range. You have a scenario there where first you're just trying to stay alive and then you recognize you've got something that's viable, but the pains that go with just simply getting it to a point where the machine starts to work with some degree of regularity and you've really don't have to spend time figuring out what to do. It's more making sure that you know not what to do. Those kinds of battles still are the same in my opinion, Craig. But I think the big change right now is the speed at which markets get disintermediated. And so if you start a business today, the threats that come at you that could alter as these markets seek equilibrium and try to figure out who is my competitor, because the competitor I thought I had maybe five years ago Probably isn't the competitor I had today. I think that's probably the, some of the biggest changes I've seen. Yeah, you could just ask Marriott about that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what they're
3: going through with Airbnb is the whole hospitality industry gets turned upside down. And, and now we're seeing Marriott get into the rental business.
0: Yeah. VRBO. And I was in a destination resort area this past weekend. And the whole issue about VRBO owners having people stay in their homes and the local municipality not getting tax revenue from that. So there's all those kinds of things at play.
2: And when leaders are looking at their performance, um, where should they be focusing first? What seems to be the top three leadership areas that can have the best return at the moment?
0: Well, I don't recall if we talked about this a year ago, but there's certainly, first and foremost, leadership for me is rooted in people's self awareness. And we can spend some time a little bit later here talking more about that. But first of all, that self awareness is crucial. And some of the best leaders are highly self aware. Most of them, the the average and, and marginal leaders that I deal with, probably have quite a few blind spots. And then there's also this mix of humility drive and emotional intelligence that you need in order to be able to keep your fingers on the pulse of what's going on in your organization. And then ultimately, you've got to also have an accountability that, that your behavior impacts the results that the company gets. Most of us, I think even in our personal lives, don't understand the correlation between how we behave and then the financial impact on either our personal net worth or the value of the business.
2: You know, this awareness of our leadership capabilities and where we're at and where we're lacking, how should we be assessing our leadership capabilities and where they rank and what we could improve?
0: Well, there is a plethora of assessment tools out there today. So what I've come to the conclusion, guys, is that It's not so much what's the right assessment, it's which assessment at which time in a leader's development really makes the most sense. And I think it really starts at the entry level to management. Most managers who are new to that role don't really understand their strengths at all. They don't know what they're good at and they probably don't know what they're poor at. And so that's where an assessment tool like Strength Finders has so much value for those people. It helps them understand what's intuitive for them What are their capabilities? Most people underestimate their strengths at that point because they're so intuitive that you don't have to think about it. Therefore, you assume it's easy and simple for others to do and possibly something on which you can build. So, I love Strength Finders for the new person who's being moved from an individual contributor role to a first time manager role. After that, once I know my strengths, now I need to start to become aware about how I show up. What's the persona that I bring to the team? What's the persona that I bring when I'm sitting around the conference table with my peers? And so Myers-Briggs and DISC, I think, make really good second-level understanding about who I am and what I bring and how will I behave normally and how much does that align or not align with the people that I work with. One of the downsides of StrengthFinders, in my opinion, when you are higher up in an organization... Is the inference that I should focus on my strengths and not worry very much about my weaknesses. And while I think that that has merit for people new to a role at lower levels in organizations, I think if both of you reflect on the individuals you've seen fail, they might have gotten businesses to a successful level, but then they can't get it past a certain level or that the business even fails completely. Usually, it's because they've continued to try to use their strengths only in order to advance the business. And there's a point at which those strengths then become weaknesses. So it's either they've overused the strength or they've not developed weak parts of their skill set that the organization needs in order to get to the next level. I feel like we see this all the time. And when you think
3: about this, almost all business owners come from this place of being employees at some point, right? So they worked somewhere else before they had an opportunity, maybe something they were good at, and went on to seize that opportunity and get out there and try to make something and build something on their own. But we do a horrible job, whether it's in the school systems or in the workplace of teaching leadership principles, of helping people gain a better awareness about themselves and how they show up in the world. And so here we are now running these businesses without a lot of formal background, typically, more often than not, at least in leadership. And yeah. so you hit the wall. And unless you develop an awareness around that and get some help and commit to really becoming a leader, get more of this growth mindset, understanding your strengths alone is, is just not going to get you there.
0: Yeah. With that example, you made me think of a story of a friend of mine who was very involved in basketball told about when he was in high school, there was tryouts. And obviously there were kids who were pretty skilled and there were ones who weren't very skilled and a kid that was not very skilled and probably had good intentions, but really just wasn't going to make the team. The coach said, out the door, son, two doors down, grab a horn. And he was making reference that the skills that he had and the abilities he had were not ones that were going to be good for this team. He probably could do better in another part of the school. I think also that in our efforts to protect people and not hurt their self-esteem and their self-worth, oftentimes we don't want to be candid and we don't want to tell the truth to people about their blind spots. So part of this is not rooted in weakness and in the sense of not knowing it's sometimes we're protected from knowing what we need to know. Or there's also the other side of that coin, which is arrogance when somebody doesn't listen to the feedback that they've been receiving and they feel either that it doesn't matter or that it doesn't apply to them. So there's a lot of reasons why blind spots occur. But again, I think Strength Finders has a great role to play. But the higher up you go in the organization, the less the organization needs more of your strengths. It typically needs less of your weaknesses.
2: It's interesting looking at the weakness side and looking at becoming a well-rounded leader and in polishing and continuously improving. A successful leader has to ask themselves, am I a leader and do I have a great company because of my leadership or because of the market space? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, Craig, oftentimes a lot of companies that are deemed really successful and then the leader gets credit for being a great leader, it's because they've got the right product or service at the right time and the market's really allowing that success to be exceptional. Now, somehow the leader gets credit for the fact that she or he was able to put the organization in that position. She or he was smart enough to take advantage of the opportunities in front of them. So you can't say that they weren't good leaders in that regard. Dr. Ted Prince, who's a guy that I have great respect for in Perth Leadership Organization, says the number one characteristic of great leaders is that they increase the value of their company. So in that regard, you would say they're great leaders in being able to recognize the market had a need and they were able to fulfill it. Yeah, the results side of that equation shows
2: up on the financial side. It also plays into the engagement and employee retention side. So which half is more important at any one time is debatable, but it's fascinating. I'm seeing a lot of focus these days on the engagement retention side. Yeah, the company's only strong as its team.
0: Well, Greg, it's 2019, and it's amazing to me how quickly we've forgotten what business conditions were like in 2009, 10, and 11. And when the unemployment level was not 3.6%, it was 5.86%, whatever it was then. And so people weren't worried about retention. They were worried about staying in business. And so this thing always runs in cycles. But in today's environment, with it being so difficult to find and keep really good people the culture side and the engagement side of the equation is disproportionately emphasized right now, and rightfully so. The talented people we have always have choices. What we have going on right now is that the average performers we have are even being sought out by other companies. And we gotta put in context the fact that the economy is so robust right now and opportunities are so great for the employee If the owner is only focused on financial results and not thinking about the culture and the environment in which they ask their people to operate, they're probably going to lose some people that they don't want to lose.
3: Well, and I think there's also a huge change in the value proposition of what work and career means for the younger generation of employees that are coming into the workforce right now. Right. So, I mean, it used to be not that long ago where you were focused on trying to get a job (laughs) to get some experience And you would move or go anywhere for that first opportunity. And I think the more exciting the organization or the more aligned it was with the career path you thought you wanted, the more you'd be willing to sacrifice to do that. But in the information age, there's a new value proposition, which is the freelance economy, the gig economy, and the freedom that that allows And also this gig mentality that goes along with that, which is that I'm not going to commit to a lifetime working at an organization. And that's not even necessarily the holy grail I'm chasing right now. Right. So that has to change. And I think employers and especially small businesses. Are really on the trailing end of catching up with this idea. so how do we change our mindset around that to have more successful relationships?
0: You know that's fairly profound that you're recognizing that we have this new perspective of what does successful employment look like for people that are probably under the age of thirty two or thirty three. And there's no question that they view a job as a component to their life, but not their life. It's not the end-all be-all to their success. I have a business owner, a very successful one, who is trying to build his business to be a carousel. I love the analogy. And I said, what's the strategy behind that? He said, I want a business that allows people to jump on and immediately or extremely quickly become very productive and effective. But it also allows them to jump off when they're tired of this job or want to go somewhere else. And we won't be harmed by their departure. And we won't feel bad about whatever time and energy we invested in them. And so he's building a business that will allow people with the mindset you're describing, Shai, to be able to participate as long as they want to participate, but then move on. And yet his business will be sustainable and profitable despite that.
3: Yeah. And that takes a whole different mindset. And again, you know, it's not just a mindset. It's a skill around developing and treating people this way when you as the owner or even a leader within an organization might not have formal training around exactly how to do that.
0: Yeah. I think we can take a lesson from most of the fast food operators. Most of those establishments have annual turnover that's 130, 125% of their employees turnover annually. And so they built business operating models that allow somebody to start today. And by this time tomorrow, they can be productive, effective contributors in some part of the business in a relatively quick period of time. And they expect those people to leave because those are low-paying, low-skilled jobs. And a lot of times they're younger people or older people who are at either the beginning or the end of their careers, but they're not necessarily going to be with you that long. And so they've adapted to that and know that's what they need to do in order to stay staffed. Now, other kinds of businesses, service businesses, information businesses, even manufacturing businesses have to figure out how they're going to adapt to that.
2: So, Ed, I want to go back for a second to a leader's capabilities and where they stand in their development. Yep. And one of the notes you had is this humility and humbleness of recognizing that they're not all perfect. That's hard to take for a very successful leader every once in a while, but during their off times, they get this feeling like, well, maybe I'm not perfect, but what should I do? So what kind of questions would you suggest a leader asks themselves to really get real with their capabilities and seek out an assessment?
0: There's um, a real dilemma for the true entrepreneur who essentially she or he wills into existence what the business needs in order for it to survive and operate. And so there's so much of this success through effort and sheer I guess I'd call it psychic energy. You know, they're just so focused and so passionate about whatever it is that they're doing that they find a way to get it done and overcoming remarkable difficulties. That's kind of a common theme that anybody who's started a business and had it operate successfully for five or more years, there's a brotherhood, there's a fraternity that they all possess that genetic makeup. So with that as a backdrop, the questions that you have to ask yourself is, If I was not here, how would the work that I do get done? How would the value that I create get created for the business? And again, because most of these people aren't that self-aware, they'll assume that most of the work that they do and the value that they create can be actually done by another individual. What I see time and time again is that these executives who are truly entrepreneurs and have started the business are unicorns. They're aberrations so that when they depart, almost always their work is divvied up between two or three other people. In other words, you're not going to replace that individual with another individual. What you have to recognize is this entrepreneur was really skilled at doing two or three different sets of core competencies and so now we have to figure out who's going to do core competency one versus core competency two versus core competency three and the owner usually the founder is not astute enough in a lot of times to really think that way so i think they're going to be better served to rather than asking themselves the question i think what they have to have is a board of advisors either formal or informal who will ask these tough questions of them i think the formal is much more effective because That question is going to get asked multiple times if the board does their job. And it really forces the owner to look in the mirror and come to the conclusion that probably there's a point at which they're not the right person to run the business anymore, either because of age or because that the business, in order to continue to thrive and grow, needs somebody with a different set of skills than they possess.
2: Yeah, had. I agree with you. At some point, there's this question of, am I capable of leaving my business for two days, two weeks? two months, two years. Yep. And is it sustainable? Or have I become the key employee for the existence of the company? So it gets a little fragile and looking at, well, if I hire people, that's going to raise my costs and so forth. There's this continual swirl <laughs> that keeps going until they totally address it. Yeah. That it's got to change. Otherwise, they're going to wear out.
3: I would take this even a step further. I mean, in my opinion,
2: if you are running a
3: business that you own and you are the key employee and the whole thing runs through you, I don't care if you have zero employees or 50 employees or a hundred employees or more, you're basically a freelancer. (laughs) And now you're a freelancer that happens to have some employees and that's okay. I don't have a problem with that, but I think it's important that people make a choice about that. You know, if that is their identity and that's who they want to be then they have almost a responsibility to invest in their leadership to become the best possible leader of that organization they can and to help those other people along or else they won't be able to develop a meaningful culture. And if they want to scale, then they have to change their mindset entirely and try to figure out, again, almost going all the way back, Ed, to the beginning of our talk around strength finders, like, here are the things I've discovered I'm super good at. Here is what I'm just not great at that's keeping this organization behind. And I've got to find somebody that can manage those things so that I can take my appropriate place as owner and really take this thing to the moon.
0: Yeah, I think you're saying it correctly, Shy. It really is the end game has to be part of the thinking that the owner considers. What's the end state? What's the exit strategy for me? And what does the business need to look like when I'm going to step aside? Most small business owners have created for themselves a very nice lifestyle employment. They bought themselves a very nice job. But when they step away from the business, it's worth significantly less than if they were part of it, which means that they're integral to the day-to-day operations. It's only when the business can operate for an indefinite period of time, I would say at least 90 days and probably more like six months without the owner's direct day-to-day involvement, that they really have a business. So... That ability to have clarity in their own mind of why am I doing this and what do I want to be able to do when I'm ready to step aside from operating this thing and what choices do I want, that really dictates whether they have to scale it or not. That dictates whether or not they really need to put systems and processes in place that will allow this thing to operate without them. And not only systems and processes, but the right people.
3: Well, I want to make the distinction too that, again, there's no shame in either path, right? I just think that right. it's important for business owners to get really deliberate about this choice and yeah. at least be aware of the thing that you're trying to pursue because it really changes your entire approach to the business.
0: Shai, the points you're making, I think, are spot on. I do think we talked earlier about Myers-Briggs. We talked about StrengthFinders. I think there's a continuum that we need to put out there for the audience to consider that the search for self-awareness is not a one and done. Let's assume that early on that strength finders would be the right thing for a new manager. I think the next step as somebody has settled into a management role, they need to understand then the way they interact with others and the consequence of that preference for behavior that a Myers-Briggs would reveal And to recognize that most often when somebody behaves in a way that's different than them, that really frustrates or rubs them, it's not a character flaw. It's just a preference for behavior that's very normal in different types of people. And once you understand that, it makes it simpler to accept and also figure out how to interact with that person in a way that's still productive. The third level of awareness that I think leaders need then is to understand the true impact of their behavior, whatever it is. On other people. So, a 360 degree assessment for somebody who's a fairly mature manager, I would say probably five years into the job or longer, is probably a really healthy thing because anonymous feedback is provided by subordinates, by peers, and by your boss or bosses higher up than you in the organization and pretty stark about on a scale of one to five or one to ten. How good or bad are you in these different situations? And from that, If it's really good 360 degree feedback, all of a sudden you start to recognize there's certain situations where I am not at my best, despite the fact that I think that I am. And so now there's a mechanism there for focused development and a way to elevate my performance in a way that's going to be pretty significant for the organization. Some of us are great with subordinates and not so good with peers. Some of us are great with peers and not so good with subordinates or bosses and not subordinates. So there is a nuance to this that 360 provides that you just hardly ever get otherwise. And then I think the last level on this continuum when you're at a senior level manager is really that business acumen component and the impact of behavior literally on the p and and the balance sheet. And the people who are listening to this, the majority of them as business owners don't understand how much their personality shows up in the risk that they take or don't take, the willingness to delegate or not delegate, the ability to plan or not plan, to be strategic or not strategic. They don't understand the correlation between how they behave, and the impact on the value of their business. And so at the highest level, being able to connect our behavior to the financial results, that awareness is really, really important for somebody who is an owner or directly affects the P&L and has responsibility for that. So I would really encourage people to think about that, that are listening. If they want more details about that, I've written a post on that in my website that people could download if they'd like.
2: So, Ed, in summary, what are the details surrounding what makes the best leaders and
0: those who have things to work on? Fundamentally, the best leaders I know understand the impact that they have on others and on the business. And people that are just plain jerks know they're jerks and they find ways to mitigate that and work around it. And as a result of that, they're able to keep people engaged and focused and being able to be highly productive. You may not want to work for this person, but there are other people who will be glad to do so. But it's not that that business is succeeding, not in spite of that person being a jerk, but because they know they are. So the story, the thinking that I'd like your audience to keep in mind is how well do I really know myself? Do I understand the impact I have on others? And do I understand the impact that I have on the business?
2: That's a great point. So, Ed, thank you so much for joining us on the show today.
0: Glad to be with you, Craig and Shy. As always, you're always provoking in your questions that forces me to think. And then also, it gives me a chance to share with your audience some of the things that I continue to learn in my work with my clients. If they'd like to know more, they can visit me at theeplygroup.com or visit me on LinkedIn and connect and I would look forward to speaking with them if I can help.
2: Our guest today has been Ed Epley, author of the book for Business Professionals, Let's Be Clear, Six Disciplines for Focused Management Pros. His book provides a sustainable, straightforward approach to growing business leadership excellence. You can learn more about Ed as well as find links to his website and contact information, all in our show notes at businessownersradio.com. Thank you for joining us on
1: Business Owners Radio, We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show. And of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.